Hey everyone, Jacob and Jessica here. Before we get to guessing, we've got a big announcement. We've always wanted to learn more about the creators behind the shows we watch and how they developed and wrote the TV we love. So we asked them. This year we are happy to have several writers from the shows we're covering make guest appearances on the pod. We asked them about how they got started in the biz, how they approach mysteries, what crazy Google searches they've had to do for episodes, and much more. We're happy to start this week with Sarah Saidi. She was a great guest and had some fun things to say about being a fan of the show herself and how to keep the fun train rolling. Listen for that segment just between the intro and before we start guessing. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Jacob. And I'm Jessica. Welcome to Clue Done It, the podcast where we make wild guesses about fake TV crimes. Without any clues, context, or apparently accuracy. All right, let's find out. Who was right? Who was wrong? And who is dead? And this week we're going to Zombie Town, New Seattle, where we get to watch iZombie. iZombie! <laughs> Probably the craziest concept or premise for a murder mystery show that 100%. we have covered well okay that's let's <laughs> this i would love to see like the the concepts behind lucifer and i zombie duke it out for craziness factor like king like yeah. king of hell comes to earth or zombie procedural <laughs> i don't know okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna say i think zombie procedural wins out as the craziest premise I kind of think so too because I, I, she has to eat the brain she has to in eat order the brains to get to the get memories, clues. to get the clues, to solve the crimes. So yes, I am gonna say, yeah. I am gonna say 100% iZombie. What I also love about iZombie is that not only, like, not only does she have to eat the brains to get the visions, but through the years as it went on, they really lean into her, like, taking on more like physical characteristics of the zombies that she ate. Like, she always did yes. kind of take on their personalities, but yeah. like towards like the last couple of years, like seasons three and four, she just full on inhabited those people, and it was just, it yeah. was a hoot. It's it like was, she has no sense of even herself like, yeah she absolutely more. loses yeah. herself so yes live more i just want to i want to take a second and pull that little nugget out right there the yes. main character who's a zombie is named live more thank you I mean, very her much name Rob is technically olivia more yes but technically yes. olivia more but her boyfriend is named major lily white yeah <laughs> and the general her... who's going to like nuke new seattle maybe is called general mills and they're just Puns all around. Yeah. And the name of the company that is keeping everybody yes. in line is <laughs> Fillmore Graves. Fillmore Graves. Fillmore <laughs> Graves is the company that is like developed a zombie in the first place and is now trying to. Yes. Like yeah. the humor is shot throughout this episode, as are many zombies. Hey, oh. Well, through the whole show. Yes. And did you know that in the comics? So this is loosely based on. Very loosely based. Comic. And. Her character's name in the comic is Gwen Dillon. Her okay. last name is Dillon. Dillon, right? Yes, Gwendolyn. <laughs> so they so they took that over. Sure, great. But I they they amped it up a whole notch here. Like this show, like, yes, yes. There's humor in the show all the time. There's puns galore. There's but it's like there's a scene in like the first season where she like Liv Moore has taken on. She's eaten the brain of a military sharpshooter. <laughs> and she she's on the roof, like going to shoot this zombie and make it all like she could shoot the zombie if she can just take the shot, but she can't take the shot. But 
it's actually a really affecting emotional moment. So yeah. in the middle of this, like in the middle of this preposterous premise, I'll just go yeah. full alliteration there. In the middle of this preposterous <laughs> premise, in the middle of all of these jokes, this show has real emotional heart. I yes. dig it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this show is great. Like this show, you get mystery procedural, great. Zombies, mm -hmm. lots mm -hmm. of fun. Oh, this show is also this show is also a stealth cooking show because every episode, yes. every episode she gets. So the conceit of the show is that she works for the city coroner's office and she helps investigate crimes because as a zombie, she eats the brains of the person mm -hmm. who has died and mm -hmm. she gets visions from their life. Hopefully, like, and of course, since it's a TV show, all about clues about how they died and who they were with that helps them unravel how this person died. So, mm -hmm. but she has to eat the brains. So part of each episode is literally, how is she going to prepare the brains this episode? Is she going to make buffalo wing brains? Is she going to make a drink and use the brains as like olives in the drink? Is she going to like stir fry it or pad thai or something? Like, like every week yeah. there's, is she a, quick, make there's it a quick... some chocolate cake or yes. a, uh, a chocolate heart yes. candy. Yes, one, one of the episodes they made a little, little chocolate heart with like the little brain like dab yeah. on top. So. Well, I mean, you say cooking show, but it reminds me of Murder. Murder, She Bakes, the novels, where they all yes. include multiple recipes from the, the bakery. And I, I just thought of that. I was like, oh, I guess this isn't that far off from what people are accustomed to. Cause there, and there are lots of memoirs that are written with mm -hmm. recipes in them. And so it it feels like that. But there it, there's always a really fun mont a cooking montage with great music. And, yes. And there's and also lovely presentation. 100%. And they do it just like they do it. They always do it like not always, but as far as I can remember, they always do in that overhead shot, which is just like like yes. on Bon Appetit when like you're yes. watching people make things on Bon Appetit. Like, yeah. This is just how you're cooking the brains. So. And you have all the great sound effects too that yes the chopping like the, and the, the chopping yeah. or the the stirring or and always the a whirring. little slimy slurpiness because it's mm -hmm. gelatin brains. So yes, yeah. And apparently we have all. There are so many articles where the actors were like, it's disgusting. We have <laughs> we have spit buckets because it's so gross. And the prop person is like, we make them out of gelatin. We put a little flavor in there. So there's not totally gross. <laughs> but the actors are like, no, they're totally gross. But this so this show, tell it, let's let's talk about the show a little bit and the yeah. people who make it a little bit. So this by it's was developed by Rob Thomas and Diane Ruggiero Wright. And it's a loose adaptation of the comic book series of the same name created by Chris Roberson and Mike Alred, published by DC Comics Vertigo. So you could catch that someplace else if you want some of your own episodes in your hand <laughs> to look at. Don't know, well, that just sounded dirty. Keep going. Oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah, so Liv Moore is a medical student. Originally, she gets invited to a party that turns into a zombie event. She wakes up at from the dead and becomes a zombie. And she, like we said, she has to eat human brains to maintain her humanity. So she goes to work at a coroner's office using her medical student skills right. to work she at the coroner's office um, in order to a, access was, brains. She was like your prototypical med student, a like type A person who was on the fast track to success, had was engaged to this gentleman, Major Lily White, who's super hunky and super great. And she realizes early on, of course, that eating a brain gives her the 
personal traits and memories of that person. And so she helps Detective Clive Babineau solve the murder, saying that she's a psychic at first. And then eventually everyone realized this. Oh, no, she's eating the brains. Oh, no, she's a zombie. Oh, my gosh, there are so many zombies all over town. Let's let's talk about this for a second, because this is this is a great little thing in here is that people like we have been so conditioned, so conditioned by the zombie genre that like when the zombie like when the zombie virus hits and everything everything's just going to go to hell and war between humans and zombies and this show dares to dream of an alternative way like this show dares to say that humans and zombies can live together and that zombies can be good functioning parts of society now don't get me wrong there's kind of an apocalypse along the way to get there but there are people who are yeah. really fighting for that and and yes, they do like like the zombies still need to, need to eat brains. There's a great divide in this show. There's a great divide between mm-hmm. going f- like between like their full on zombie rage, which they call mm-hmm. going full Romero, which is, of course, a uh, tip of the hat to George Romero, legendary zombie filmmaker. So, again, again, with the little like Easter eggs and puns and everything everywhere. This show has everything. I loved it from the start. So to- 2015 is when it started mm-hmm. and final episode in 2019 so not that long ago i didn't realize that it was so i mean kind of recent yeah. you know yeah yeah and we're watching an episode from the fourth season we're watching episode 11 on netflix so you know get there to watch it do you want to take out your bingo card please imdb calls this a comedy crime drama comedy so it's like, crime drama okay it's a, a what do you what do you call it these days when it's a drama comedy Com-drom? dramedy dramedy yeah dramedy, it's, a dramedy. Yeah. it's, the, 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 it's not really, really a dramedy, dramedy. no because dramedy no. is definitely a little more soapy like a little more yes like they like there are uh, definitely there soapy are elements to soap it elements but like you think about like sure. you think about this is us this is yes. us is billed as a dramedy parenthood is billed as a dramedy this is yeah. not this is not a dramedy yeah, this is yeah. this is a this is a light procedural, yeah. with lots of serialized <laughs> relationship elements to it. So yeah, for sure. For that's sure. where I would go with this. Yeah. Uh. What? Well, yeah. What else do we need to know? Well, it stars Rose McIver, who is actually a New Zealander, and it is bonkers if you ever like if you a she's great. She does like she yeah. makes such a meal out of inhabiting all these people. I love watching her change focus each week, but it is also astonishingly weird she's she's a new zealander so like she does a she does actually a really great american accent in this in this series and for all of her work and the other things i've done i've seen her do too but then like you watch her do an interview at like a comic-con or something and hearing her new zealand accent is bonkers it's yes <laughs> it's mind-blowing yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a really fun youtube video where somebody i can't I don't remember who the interviewer is, but somebody asks all somebody in the media asks all the actors whose brain would they eat of each other, like of the cast. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, I would eat Malcolm Goodwin's brain because he, he has 57. Calvin. Yeah, he plays Clive Babineau, the detective. She's because he knows how to do 57 or she, how does she say it? The New Zealand 57. Anyway great video and you just ca- you just catch that new zealander and you're like oh my gosh there it is 
But she was so she was a child actress oh, in okay. New Zealand and did commercials. Her first big breakout was playing an angel in Jade Campion's The Pian or Champions. How do you say Campion. her name? Campion in the piano. Oh really? Yeah. And then she was in a bunch of TV movies and TV episodes of Hercules playing Aaliyah. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. And then I guess came to the U.S. or something. Uh, At some she point was in, she relocated to L.A. Yeah, yeah. And was in Once Upon a Time as Tinkerbell. That was like nine episodes. She was also in Masters of Sex. She was in Power Rangers. She had a lot. I'm sorry, she was in Power that. Rangers? Yeah. Oh, wow. She okay. played Summer Lansdowne. And she was in Woke, which was the about the African-American comic book artist Played oh, yeah. by Lamorne Morris. Yeah, that was Keith great. Knight. Yeah, based on yeah. Keith, that's based on Keith Knight's comic. Yeah. yeah. More recently, she has done three Hallmark or four, I guess, four Hallmark movies, three of which she plays Amber, who becomes Queen Amber in this country oh, yes. where she marries a king. Yes, 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 yes. The Royal Wedding, a Christmas Prince, a Royal Baby. Yeah. All for- that. I had forgotten she yes, was in those. Yes, she's so great. And then, but most recently, we love her on Ghosts, yes. which is the American version on CBS, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. She is so lovely in that she plays the, the woman Another show who... where she gets to pretend to be other people sometimes. Yes, yes, right. Yeah, she the, her character has fallen down the stairs and had a near-death experience and so now she can see and communicate with all the ghosts that are in the old house that she and her husband live in and it's hilarious so great so that's rose and she play playing olivia or Liv Moore, the zombie who works in the coroner's office and then there's actor malcolm goodwin who plays detective clive babineau he is currently on reacher He's great in that. Okay. So good. He also did some on Fugitive. He was one of the stars in an A&E show called Breakout Kings. He's fantastic in this. He is also in uh, a show coming up or I guess it, no, it's coming up called Fall of the House of Usher, which is based on the Edgar Allan Poe short, short story. And that is going to be with, well, this is a great segue, to Rahul Kohli, who plays Ravi, Dr. Ravi Chakrabadi, who is Liv Moore's co-worker, mm-hmm. at another coroner. In the, and he's the boss, I think, of the office, of the yeah. coroner's office. He is from London. And he's done a ton of Shakespeare. And then there is Ali McChakla, I think is how you pronounce her name. Or, yeah. I think it's Allie McChakla. She plays Peyton Charles, who is Liv Moore's best friend. And she's also at works for the mayor's office or mm-hmm. it's like she's a district a, attorney a district or attorney. something. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. We will see in this episode, I'm pretty sure, Jason Doring, who is a regular in Rob Thomas's stuff. Um, he plays, I think, Captain? I'm not sure of his actual thing. But he, he plays Chase Graves, who is in charge of the militaristic group that are keeping all the zombies together or you know keeping them in check and then there is a character which i think is going to show up in this episode the character is angus mcdonough 
and is played by Robert Kepner, who is classic actor from a lot of like Twilight Zone, Star Trek The Next Generation, Perry Mason, L.A. Law, Law and Order, Murder, She Wrote. He did three episodes of Murder, She Wrote playing oh, wow. three different people. I Good mean, job. They had 12 seasons. So I guess you could pretend you didn't know who he was with a new haircut or something. <laughs> so he, he's got like classic Hollywood actor, golden age of film kind of face to him. And or I think like sure. he, he looks like he could have been in, you know, something with, you know, something that you would be watching on TMC or something. And he's playing a creepy cult leader. Yeah. This is filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Canada. Standing in for, yeah, standing in for Seattle, Washington. Which at least they got that close. You know what I mean? It's not, yes. it's not, it's not trying to stand in for Phoenix. Right, right. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it was a little confusing when I was reading it because it was like, and for Eugene, Oregon. And I was like, wait, what? And I realized the comic book takes place in Eugene, Oregon. Uh... But, but they moved it for the show to Seattle. So anyway, I feel like you see a lot of trees in the comic book art. That's another thing that's fun about this show is that trees? scenes. No, the scenes start with oh, right. yes, a, like the... a little comic book art. Yeah, they've, they've gotten and then, a little... Like, and then the scene little, comes to life. Yeah, it's a little comic book filter, and then the actor, the live action kind of comes in through that. Yeah, like, they're definitely, like, they're aware that they're doing a doing a genre comic booky show, and they lean into it, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So what's the log on for the episode we're watching? We're, and what episode are we watching? We're watching... Okay, these... right. Yeah, we are watching season four, episode 11, called Insane in the Germ Brain. <laughs> See, I told you, puns forever. Uh, yeah, LOL. The logline is, Liv consumes a germaphobe's brain during flu season. Ravi acts as a surrogate father to Isabel. I think we might be having some pandemic trigger warnings watching this. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. This this aired in 2018. <laughs> How did they know? How did they know? At least they got the zombie part wrong. So far. Yes. So far. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go check out the opening to this and... Uh, Find out what the what the crime is, and we'll be back with some guessing. See you soon. Hey, everybody. We're proud to kick off our interviews with Sarah Saidi. Enjoy this snippet, and rest assured, we'll release the whole interview next week as its own special episode. So, Sarah, why don't you tell us a little bit of, like, your origin story and how you got started and then how you landed on iZombie? Yeah. Well, you guys really took me like down a, a trip down memory lane and just revisiting iZombie because I feel like it's been a while. But iZombie was actually my first job, staff job on a one hour drama room. I originally started in a comedy. I had been on one comedy prior to that. And after that experience, I realized I'm like, I think I'd, I'd rather do drama. I think I'm a better fit in a one hour room. So I was actually sitting right here when I had my, it wasn't even like people weren't zooming really back then, but I had a video conference meeting with Rob Thomas and Diane Ruggiero, right? When they were staffing for the second season of the show. And yeah, it was just, I, I was really excited because I had wanted to, I was excited about the show its first season, but I didn't really have a drama sample ready yet. And I was thrilled to be meeting with them. I was thrilled that they liked my writing. And 
it was just one of those meetings where you like it ended. I'm like, I really, really hope I got that job. I think it went well, but you never know. How did you get to the point where you got that interview? Yeah, what got you there? I had a little bit of a less traditional background way into a writer's room and that I wasn't like a writer's assistant first or a writer's PA first. I actually started out as a TV executive. I worked at ABC Daytime as an assistant for a period of time and then worked my way up to being a creative executive. So I worked in soap operas for a few years. Oh, wow. I was the executive covering General Hospital, which was really interesting because the the whole time I really wanted to be a writer. And so in some ways, it was a very frustrating day job to have because I was working in such close proximity with the writers. But then as an executive, you often feel like you're a thorn in their side. And so that dynamic was a little bit tough for me, but also because I really wanted to write. So it felt like it was kind of the next best thing without actually getting to do the thing that I really wanted to be doing. But that job really gave me a lot of great skills that I think translate well in a writer's room, just in terms of being able to articulate a pitch and problem solve. But I feel very fortunate that I did eventually make the leap from executive to actually being a writer. And I think it would be nice if like every writer had that sort of executive experience at some point and vice versa, because I think it would really help you understand like I, I sometimes I joke like that I do speak network because I kind of understand <laughs> what I'm trying to get across. Can you talk to us about the rules of the show and how they worked? Like, where do you sort of draw the logic cop line? And, you know, what are the borders of the reality that you couldn't cross? Yeah, you know, it was interesting because I feel like because we were a zombie show that we were already asking the audience to suspend their disbelief. And so that kind of allowed us to not get too caught up in logic. And I will say, too, I think that Rob, as the showrunner, doesn't like those moments in the room where we're getting too hung up on logic. Like it, it, those would be moments where he would be like, we can go back to that or we can figure that out or no. Like, I think the joke in the room would be like, okay, one person on Twitter is going to probably notice that and get upset. But like, I don't care about that one person on Twitter. Thanks again to Sarah for her time and generosity. Tune in next week for the full interview. And now on to some guessing. Jessica, you know, as well as anyone, how much I love a vacation in the south of France. It's just so leisurely and delightful and lots of little tiny cups of coffee. And it's just so relaxing. But you know what I really love? I really love an American show where four minutes in and we've had the credit sequence and a body and here we go. That's what I love. I love it. It's bang, zoom, murder, go. (laughs) I was wondering where this was going. I was like, is this a commercial break I don't know about? Did we get a sponsor? I would love any sponsor. Any sponsor from Seattle or the south of France. Either one. We're happy to take either. (laughs) We, we, We would be delighted to go to either place, please, and thank you. But, like, you had to stop me. I was just, I was so into the show, and I was just, like, so, I, I, I. Four minutes, you're like, are we gonna, are we gonna stop? We need to stop, Jacob. There, there's the body. There's the thing. We're good to go. And I'm like, you're right. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's the title sequence. We're stopping. <laughs> I was also distracted because 
normally, and in the first scene of this episode, Liv is in her normal, she's got a zombie pallor. She doesn't use fake, fake spray tan. She has her white hair, like kind of like, not shoulder length, but like kind of cropped, like almost a pixie cut. Anyways, whatever. She's got short white hair and her deathly pallor. And then they move from her house into the coroner's office and she looks like any normal L.A. blonde lady. She looks <laughs> like was, Rose McIver. She looks like Rose McIver. That is exactly 100% correct. With we were both shoulder like, length, blonde hair, straight, straight as a bone, blonde hair. What is, and we were both like, what is going on? Well, like when they normally went like, so the makeup, the makeup and hair crew on this show, also great. I really hope we're going to learn more about them later on. But I was like, what is happening? What happened like in this sequence that all this and they don't nobody mentions it. Nobody talks about it. It's just like all of a sudden she's just got blonde hair. Like what? 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 So I I, I will keep you informed as to what's going on with this because I know I want to know. And I don't think they just forgot. Yeah, so. I yeah, it's kind of weird. I did notice when I was doing research for this that there was that the normal head of department hair and makeup uh-huh. were not credited. In fact, the hairstylist is somebody like uncredited, I think. They didn't we've even got credit Hairgate. This is what we've got. We have yes. stumbled onto Hairgate for iZombie. <laughs> yes. What the heck? And the the hair head of hair head of hair department is very accomplished. She's got she's been head of hair on tons and tons and tons of shows. Can I just say that I love saying that someone is head of hair as opposed to a head of hair? <laughs> yes. They're head of hair. They have a head of hair and they're head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, back to the mystery. Back to the mystery. We're gonna we're gonna we're just gonna have to no, let this No, this is a mystery. This is we've got our own mystery. <laughs> Uh, what do we have to do? We have to do we have to drink shampoo now? Please don't drink shampoo. Whoever is listening, do not drink shampoo. It will not give you <laughs> insights into hair. But would it be great if it did? I'm going to drink this shampoo and suddenly I am a world-class hairstylist. Well, that, I, that could be. I, I, I just, I'm more benign or banal, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, it seems like this is a prop bet we need to solve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we do, we will get to the bottom of it. So in any event, while we're in this crazy alternate live with blonde hair alternate reality inside the, what is it? It's not the mortuary. What is it? It's the morgue. They're in the morgue. morgue. At Clive the walks in. Office. He's sneezing. He's got the flu. Some flu's going on. <laughs> they they do make a joke. And it's it it rings different now after on this end of the pandemic. <laughs> it sure does. She's like, mm, somebody didn't get their flu shot. And he's like, what? And turn into a werewolf maybe? And... I just want to say, in the I Zombie universe, where zombies are real, this this is this is a legitimate concern because in a world where there are actually zombies, it makes sense to not take a vaccine. We do not live in that world, so I don't want any truck with that. Moving on. <laughs> Until you are a zombie, anyways. Uh, so there you go. Uh, so he Clive brings in a body. It is a uh, it, it looks like a tall woman, but it turns out to be a man in drag. It is somebody who was killed by blunt force trauma to the to their head. Vince, he was found outside the club Sick Puppies, which both was a great 90s industrial band. And also, oh, no, that was Skinny Puppy. Never mind. But the club Sick Puppies it was named because it shares a building with a veterinarian's office. So... That's just it, how they do things. Did they Any, say that in the episode? Yes. They yes. said that just now? Oh, my yes. gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I missed that. Oh, gosh. 
So anyways, the Vince was dressed like Sheila, who's head of HR, and gave a skit at some company's party at the bar, and then he ended up dead in the parking lot. So Liv is convinced that Sheila is the first suspect, and she goes off to eat a brain burger. Literally, that's what they do with the brain this time. They've turned it into a burger. It kind of looks like... It doesn't actually look like a burger because it's kind of split. It kind of looks like maybe like some sort of chopped up pork burger or maybe like a chicken sandwich. Oh, you I know, could go with chicken a, sandwich. It kind of looks a like a chicken sandwich. hamburger bun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, okay. And it had lettuce. So. It definitely had lettuce and a little swirl of ketchup. So. Oh, it did have ketchup? Oh, yeah. it's not a chicken sandwich. Never mind. Oh, okay. Well, I, well, in any event, she has this blissed out look on her face as she's eating the burger, the sandwich, whatever it is. And that is where we ended it. So we have our first suspect, who is Sheila, who, of course, isn't going to be the person who killed Vince. But there you go. We need a real suspect. Jess, who you got? Okay. So I am doing the IMDb clues thing. Because, as sure. I said sure. in the I'll beginning... I don't know that there's anything I can do to stop it, so sure, you I can't. The lot. episode logline is insane in the germ brain. <clears throat> Liv consumes a germaphobe's brain during flu season. So, I, I, so this, this, this drag queen, this, this person doing their skit for work, is a germaphobe, apparently. Yes. Yeah, you're and, right, sure. And it is flu season, yeah, pandemic trigger warnings, dang. But why, how, how does being a germaphobe have something to do with you getting knocked over the head, blunt force trauma? Right, yeah, that's... Like, a little in- asthma inhaler is not blunt force trauma. Like, <laughs> that's is... not really gonna... No, I mean, this is, what do we think did it? Do we think this was a brick? Do we think this was a baseball bat? Does that, with that hole? Yeah, and it, well, and it seems like it was probably backstage... Right. It was in the parking At, lot, I thought. Oh, in the parking lot? Yeah. After the skit. Yes. The the company The company s- skit. So maybe skit. maybe he mm-hmm. was maybe he was hit with a bottle. Maybe he was hit with some kind of like dog cage. Um Oh. Sick puppies. Hmm. Hmm. Do we know what kind of company? No. They he works for? No. Uh Okay, so are we? Are do are we do? Do I think that the skit has nothing to do with it? I mean, they think they when they take off on on this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at the at the break at the title sequence, they Liv thinks that the very first and most important suspect is the person who was being made fun of in the right. skit, which was right. the HR person. But you know, never to really go. It's with never the, the HR. first suspect first yeah suspect generally the second but (laughs) (laughs) we don't know that person okay so it's probably somebody at work though because this is yeah it's lining uh, up that this is somebody at work somebody at the thing i don't i don't think they're gonna go that it was the veterinarian yeah it's gonna have to be oh so we think that this sick went to sick puppies after work and had the skit there's an HR manager at the veterinarian's office? No, no, no. I don't think they were actually at the veterinarian's office. The bar shared a building with the veterinarian's office. But so the you bar think was that... called Sick Puppies. Yeah, but you think that the veterinarians were, they were the people at this party, at this work party? No, no, no. I'm just saying it was in the same building. So maybe they, maybe he discovered something with the veterinarians. You know what I mean? Like maybe he like went down and like saw them 
like maybe that's where they were like smuggling mm-hmm. brains or something like something in the veterinarian's office where it wouldn't attract too much attention where there were lots of like blood and needles and oh. like bodies moving in and out so mm-hmm. or they just they know that dogs and cats lick their butts and so they were like ew veterinary <laughs> office sure yes or like yes, me of... when the dot when the cat poops in the morning and then comes and jumps on the bed and like wants to sit on my we pillow and this. I'm like you haven't cleaned your butt yet do not sit on my pillow <laughs> this is so getting cut <laughs> is it I don't know because our <laughs> what our listeners are really craving is more cat poop on the pillow content that's what they're really going for here. <laughs> Hashtag cat life. Hashtag real world. Hashtag cat mom problems. Yes. Hashtag stay the hell off my pillow. Okay, I got to make a guess. I'm going to say it's not HR. It's not HR. It's, do I think they're in medical equipment sales? Okay, I bet they're in medical equipment sales. Okay. And this person, Vince... Mm-hmm. was a very good customer service rep mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was being overly okay the hr person he was making fun of the hr person because they sit in the same back office like in the office like in the office sure okay and he is in Vince is in customer service. She is in HR. And there is somebody else who is in some other department, like operations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. oh no, no. I'm just gonna say it's the receptionist. Ooh, okay. Yeah. The receptionist, blunt force trauma, because he was harassing the HR person, but he was harassing other people inside the office and the receptionist was like no more of that you're being a jerk and you're making all these jokes to our clients and so they think it's funny it isn't and the medical equipment that he is hit with i think was a the dull side of a heavy Oh, of a of a prosthetic limb. <laughs> but she hit, you know, just right on the head. Swung hard. Oh, I just swung hard on the microphone too. Swung super hard and that is what knocked him out and the motive was just it was not premeditated. It was just like I can't deal with you you know, harassing all the people in the office. You are a jerk and I am apparently murderous with no patience. So is this, so is Vince in this, in this, in this setup that you have given us here, is Vince Michael Scott or is Vince White or is Vince Jim? And then just everybody just gets sick of like. I think this person is Todd Packer. Oh, (laughs) okay, sure. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Todd Packer. All right. So Jessica Heard playing the office lady's card. Yes. Hard on this episode here. <laughs> that is my guess. I'm okay. going to write that down right now. Now. <laughs> and now you, Jacob. I think I think 
trying to go through other departments of the office was a good idea. Like I was sitting here trying to be like, maybe this is like a war between accounts receivable and accounts payable. Mm, um, that's good too. Right. Thank you, Onion. But so I'm not sure, but I I, I want to move away from that. I want to move away from that. I want to think of like something. Because hmm, I think, I think I'm not sure how drag is going to be important, but this is, I'm going to say that he wanted to be an actor in Seattle's underground theater scene. Oh. And he was method about it all. He was really method about his role. So he really went deep undercover into her life to figure out who she was and what she was doing. And when she w- when he was operating as her and doing his research, he discovered that she was having an affair. And he actually like tried to like text or set up or somehow like get in contact with the person he was she was having an affair with mm. not to like out them or anything or not to but just because he wanted to get to know that person even better and really inhabit the role of Sheila but Sheila's lover didn't take kindly to that and didn't understand what he was doing and just thought they were threatened so Sheila's lover out of a like sense of like duty or a sense of like self-preservation not wanting to get found out just attacked him and didn't realize he was going to kill him but that's what i say i say it's sheila's lover that's what i think okay okay interesting so he method Vince actor. is an act method actor in in theater underground theater in seattle and playing an hr person yeah in a in like an office in an office skit, and he was like, nope, I'm going to nail this part. I'm going to really nail this part, and I need to learn everything there is to learn about Sheila. He discovered Sheila was having an affair, and Sheila's lover killed him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is awesome. I mean, a method actor, that this is all <laughs> This is all to be blamed on method acting. Z- zombie apocalypse be damned. When it comes to my acting integrity in my office skit, I, there's none who can besmirch my integrity. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we'll find out if this besmirches my guessing record when we come back. See you soon. So, Jessica, I think I have a bold statement. I have a bold statement Ooh. to enter this. To those of you yes, who keep Jacob count, um, to those of you who keep track of such things, neither of us got it right, um, which is should no, not be surprising. No, you got it right. I did you not. D- oh, so the relationship was <laughs> not a boyfriend. It was actually the husband. It was actually the husband. The HR person. Right. But you were correct. It, it was the partner of the HR person who was offended by the the portrayal and said it was demeaning and right. fucked no, no, him. No, well, that's the reason. But what I said was that he was such a method actor that he found out she was having an affair. Oh. And he was trying to keep the affair a secret. You're right. So I You're did right. not get it right. But I mean, yeah, you were. I knew it was somebody attached to them. I, I got a little more complicated. And that's the big announcement that I have to make on this. This is my big swing. This is my big swing. But I think this is accurate. So despite the fact that this show takes place in an alternate zombie universe, in a world where the zombie apocalypse has happened, and but yet zombies can maintain their human-like qualities by eating brains, in a world where Seattle has been walled off, 
in a world where like there are preachers preaching gospel preaching gospel zombie hate on YouTube despite all of these things I think this might be the most realistic police procedural we've we've watched I zombie is yes, or this I episode I zombie iZombie is the most realistic police procedural we have done. And I'll tell you why. Yes, please, because why? (laughs) Because they because they have transformed into such a like long, like serialized show arc on this, they really have like taken a little less time with the mysteries this season. So like them finding the mystery this season and all the episodes we've seen mainly consists of them sitting in a questioning room (laughs) they just they bring people in for questioning and people confess and that's it like there's no like there's not a whole lot of finding (laughs) clues there's not a lot of them like going out into the city and doing things it's just bring that person in they come in there's a couple scenes great they confess done boom (laughs) (laughs) i feel that that is somehow much more like realistic as to what actually happens in policing in real real police work yes I, i don't I don't think that there's just a whole ton of like CSI, God bless, can have all their like technology and Magnum P.I. can run around and shoot things up in his Ferrari. But I really think, nope, just pulling people into this and questioning them. Boom, done. There you go. I mean, you know, we don't know. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) We don't. We don't know. So we we should should we do that? Should we, we should make a special section of this? We should make a special section of this all where it's just like we bring in a cop and they right now. We don't need that. Again, we don't we don't don't stop the fun train. We don't need yes. a logic cop. We're just here for everything. But I love it. She played a she played a germ. She fell backwards in her chair. Somebody sneezed and she fell backwards in her chair because she was trying to get away from the sneeze. There was well some done, really Liv. good sneeze like Wilhelm sneezing in this episode. <laughs> Wilhelm sneezing? Yes, there was some Wilhelm sneezing in this episode. <laughs> I love Good it. job the, sound people. The, the Wilhelm sneeze. <laughs> we also figured out and this shouldn't surprise nobody. We also figured out why Liv was showing up in blonde hair and looking normal. It's because she has started doing they covered it in a previous episode. She has started doing the whole T- fake tan and wig thing and wig thing. I'm going to put I'm I'm putting wig in air quotes because theoretically what happens is that she wears a wig to make it look like she has normal hair. Except this is the first time in the four seasons that this show has been on the air that you can actually see Rose McIver's scalp. So <laughs> it's, it's a wig, but it's her actual real hair. So I mean, you could have a a scalp and a wig. Can but you? You yes. you would know more than I would. Bald caps, like yeah, you just put okay. The... Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, but it, it, your point stands. Like, <laughs> and and the fact that again there is an uncredited hairstylist, but the head of hair is nowhere <laughs> listed. <laughs> no, you're dying. I just still love that the head of hair has a head of hair. <laughs> We should we should call them like head of wardrobe or head of hair and makeup or something like that. But just no, no, I love it. Head of hair, That's head of the, hair. Yeah, head of hair department. I think that. Hold That's on. Too, no, it's not even just head of hair. Like, huh? uh, it's credited as hair department head. Hair department head. <laughs> <laughs> that is the official title. 
This is now I'm just picturing one of those like little like styrofoam mannequin heads like wandering around like laying judgment on what has to happen on this. Do you like this or this? Mm, I think like this is somebody with like a little mannequin head just like, the mannequin head nods or like shakes its head no. That's yes. hair, de- hair department head. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh, I'm having too much fun with it. Okay, so so but do do we know who is head of who is head of hair department or hair department head? Well, for this show, generally, it is Lisa Leonard, and she was nominated. Hair and makeup were nominated mm-hmm. for this show. Makeup do a was great nominated. Job. Yeah, yeah. The makeup department head has been nominated for a Leo Award eight years in a row, 2015 to 2022. Wow. She has been nominated. And her name is Amber Trudeau. Thank you, Amber. Oh, Trudeau. Oh, I wonder if she's a, <laughs> related to the, is it the prime minister? I think of, it's the prime minister. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So <laughs> we she's probably doing... know about as much as Canada politics, Canadian politics, <laughs> as we do about police, police yeah, operations. So yeah. don't quote us on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's done iZombie, The 100, Day of the Dead. And she was also Rose McIver's makeup artist in the Hallmark movie, A Christmas Prince. The royal baby. I really want to go. I want to go back and watch those now. What can I say? Oh, she was also on the Hot Tub Time Machine as the yes. assistant makeup artist, <laughs> <laughs> and she's done Arrow as well. Of course. I, and a lot of people in this episode, I don't know what the deal is, but they they've done one of the twi one or both or no. There's a, the Twilight Saga was three movies or four movies. I I think it's at least four movies. So like, or maybe even done five at least movies? one. Everybody in this episode it seems like it seems like it's not true, but like many of them have done at least one of the Twilight Saga. What we're, what we're British hearing Columbia, here is that all lots of, these, of work. Yeah, well, British Columbia, lots of work, and clearly they're hitting their undead niche. Yes, totally, totally, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Vampires, werewolves, zombies—they got the whole crew up there. Yeah, exactly. They've figured it out. <laughs> werewolves, coincidentally enough, do they have a head hair like? Do they have a hair department head or just a hair department all over body hair? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. I'm sorry. Well, I'm having too much fun with this. <laughs> Who else do we need to know about? I was also going to remark on the props person, and I don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of, there's uncredited, there are uncredited people, but in a media interview, it looks like her name is Aliyah Nyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, is credited with the brains, at least in the first season. Okay. So I bet she laid the groundwork. You know, that laid the groundwork for it, and Leanna Harborn developed all the gelatin molds. Yes, exactly. And then Leanna Harborn is credited as uh, uncredited. Sorry, as props in this episode, and Leanna is also known for the new A Team. So, oh, she, okay. all these people with this again. Interesting yeah. British Columbian or British Columbia Canada credits. Sure. Stuff that's going on up there. I want to point out that a character that I we didn't see them introduce the, this character anywhere. This character just kind of showed up when we were watching the show. And granted, like we don't do a complete watch of everything. So maybe he was introduced someplace and we didn't know about it. But this season, one of the one of the zombie members of the Fillmore Graves team is a pompous Frenchman. Oh, yes. Like or at a, least he talks in, like, maybe he he's Belgian, like, but no, he talks he's in a French, French. accent. He's yes. like Nispo. 
And yes. yeah, he's definitely trading on Poirot. Exactly. But he is French. And Fair enough. he is redonkulous. We like, where did him. this guy come from? Uh, we don't know where he came from. And he speaks why in an amazing he... <laughs> Pepe Le Pew French accent. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's just the best. Like, and he does like he's up for the hijinks. Like there's one yes. point where so like he wears like this long flowing trench coat, which does not look badass on him. It looks like he's like trying to be, it really does look like he's trying to be like Poirot or some kind of like Javert well, or some some kind of like yes, French long Javert. coat. Because Poirot just wears like a white linen suit. That's his thing. He, <laughs> right. He's kind of a little Colonel Sanders-esque. Yeah, well, white linen suits are not going to fly in Pacific Northwest zombie apocalypse. Right. So, yeah, but there's there's literally one scene where Liz plays a hockey goon and she flips his coat over his head and starts like gut punching him. And he's like, he's over there game. He's like jumping up a little bit every time she theoretically punches <laughs> him in the gut to show just how much he's taken. Anyways, we don't you have that. a mustache because we need a no. mustache. Like, uh, iZombie needs a mustache. <laughs> That's is the it only too thing late? they're missing. Is, is it too late to start that hashtag? iZombie needs a mustache. We should we should just put everybody, we should just go through and put like mustache filters on everybody on Instagram for <laughs> I, iZombie needs a mustache. Make this happen. I'm looking at yes. iZombie French guy. <laughs> iZombie French guy. Enzo Lambert was a recurring character in iZombie season four, and the oh, he turns into the antagonist. Oh, in season five, as the quirky inspector. And of course, Reddit is like French inspector from Fillmore Graves. I am sure the actor playing this character is a nice guy, but his French accent is offensively terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm, it is meant mm-hmm, to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is indeed. Let's see. Enzo Lampert is played by John Emmett Tracy. And he's this very serious actor. Headshot. Ooh. Oh. Gotta have your serious actor headshot. It's a little comic. He is an American theater, film, and television actor. Chicago raised. He formed his first theatrical partnerships at the age of seven with his sister, Kristen. <laughs> and the duo became famous throughout their basement. <laughs> okay, that's a good line. Adorable. Theater renown came with his performance in such roles as Lactobacillus acidophilus, bacteria in a second grade tooth decay pageant, a riveting turn as Mr. History Book, and eventually as a tree, which he was critically acclaimed for his stillness. Oh my God. This is, this is great. He portrayed Thomas Jefferson in both Assassin's Creed 3 and Assassin's Creed 3, The Tyranny of King Washington. Yeah. He went to Rose Buford College, where he earned a bachelor's degree in theater, as well as the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London and the National Shakespeare Conservatory in New York. Well, good job, sir. What else do we need to talk about? Oh, we could talk about also the director, Jude Wang, who is a female director born in Taipei, Taiwan. And she has had all these interesting workshops and fellowships awarded to her. She did the American Film Institute Women's Directing Workshop. She did the ABC DGA Directing Fellowship. She did the Warner Brothers Directing Workshop, the HBO Writing Fellowship. And she has directed for, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. She's directed for The Good Place. Recently, she did Only Murders in the Building. So she what, is what? good with the murder. Yeah, she did new the new party down. So oh, again, very nice with Rod, the Rod Thomas. Thomas can, yeah, yeah. And recently, she directed Finding Ohana, which was a 2021 movie about epic adventure treasure hunts, but done by some young people from Brooklyn can, who connect with their Hawaiian heritage after being in there. So, um, and she has a ton of projects in development. I don't know that we've talked a whole lot about Rob Thomas and given like, I mean, he's like, he's kind of a giant in in the TV space. Well, and so is Diane Ruggiero, right? Yeah, exactly. Both of them. But for sure. Yeah. I mean, Rob Thomas started on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about him on Veronica Mars. And because I was like, what is this show? It's ridiculous. And you were like, no, this was huge. And I need to find it and watch it apparently he recently did the lost boys he did he, the lost boys of course the he new did the, the reboot boys. yeah the the, yeah. the the tv show reboot that they're making yeah, yes yeah. okay he also became big with party down which mm-hmm. now is having its reboot so yeah and rob thomas has worked with diane rogero right we were trying to come up with what the terminology is for. Yeah, because like they're they're a team, but they're not a writing team. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, when like Rob Thomas writes something, it's not he's not there's not an ampersand with him and Diane, but they definitely like they work together as a team, a producing and development team, all the time across yeah. all kinds of stuff. So yeah, and showrunners and producing and consulting. They even consult produce together huh. on other shows. She started out with a show called That's Life. Had a bunch of episodes. Mm-hmm. Then she did a show called The X List. And then she and Rob Thomas, their friends, started doing all kinds of stuff together. Veronica Mars, obviously this show. So I got to say, I'm really bummed that there were no prosthetic legs being thrown around. <laughs> yeah, you were really out. You were really into the whole, uh, there has to be some like, some kind of weapon weapon or, yeah, some, or like yeah. or just medical equipment you really wanted there yes. to be medical equipment on this yeah yeah and there just really wasn't yeah uh, it was very cut and dry yeah i want to it do... was a blunt force trauma with a fist with a fist yeah blunt force and of course it's a zombie so like they don't have mm-hmm. to have a brick or a weapon or anything they just zombie just rages out and away you yeah, go right yeah but what i will say on this is what i want to do now what i want to see now is i want to see dame helen fucking mirren brought into the rob thomas universe i want to see (laughs) now that they're now that they're just putting people into these questioning rooms let's give let's get dame helen fucking marin in there as well and just see her really like rattle on somebody just have clive and live be like yes show us how it's done (laughs) yeah what would live what brain would live be on for oh my god could we could we get live on dame helen fucking marin like well, just no, have her, oh, her be the corpse of the week. <laughs> no, it would be great because she could like she could come in. She could just like she could portray a body. Like maybe she doesn't even like she does like a like she does like a scene. She's on set for like half a day, and then they like <laughs> and then they like give give her all like the bloody makeup, and then she's done. It's like it's a fly in one day of work, and then like and then Liv gets to walk around pretending to be Dame Helen fucking Mirren all week long. <laughs> I would like I would hundred percent pitch that if it were still around. <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> how many, how many, like how many dead detectives do you suppose we could get in there? Like what if that was another thing where she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go around the world and like eat the brains of like famous detectives and just be like. 
I think Clyde no would sense. be pissed because he'd be like, what are you trying to <laughs> do? Trying move to in do? on my <laughs> neighborhood. <laughs> or, you know, move in on my chair. This is me. I'm the yeah. detective. This is my you job. You are the, the zombie, zombie psychic. <laughs> All right. Well, it doesn't take a zombie psychic to know that we did not get any points this week. Hopefully, we'll do better next mm-hmm. week. That is just his mumble of not so much optimism. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll get it. Hope springs eternal. We can do this. We Sometime can, this season. We, we, can, we can manifest the zombie detective's guessing skills we want to be in the world. <laughs> just keep thinking positive. Keep thinking positive. All right. Thanks so much. See you next time. See you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And now we want to hear from you. Tell us your guesses, your scores, your insider info, your favorite logic cop catches, and your suggestions for what shows we should watch next. Follow us and join the fun on Twitter at ClueDunnit. Or on Instagram and Facebook at ClueDunnit Podcast. Rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. Because watching TV is always Always better better with with friends. friends. I can't believe, oh, and now I am super bummed because it didn't record, it didn't record our super hip new musical that we just like improvised on. We had the whole like, it was a first act medley of exposition and character once and like harmonies. Oh. Yeah. Technology. Actually, it wasn't technology's fault. That was my fault. I just forgot to hit the record button. I got so carried away by the musicality of it all.